Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of July 23, 2017. First up on Sound Prince is a reminder that the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Reunion is coming up August 4 and 5 at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville. And if you haven't registered yet, now's the time. Friday evening dinner is barbecue picnic food. Jackie Williams, the new KSB principal, will be on hand to tell us about the year in review. Then there will be a lot of time for fun and prizes with a name game. Identify those mystery students and staff and win prizes. On Saturday, Michael Hudson from APH joins us in the morning to share KSB secrets. After lunch, there's the business meeting and memorial service, and Saturday evening is the tribute to Will Evans' banquet. For more information, to find out how to make room reservations, and to register by phone, call us at 502-897-1472. Remember, pre-registration closes August 2, and ticket prices increase after that time. Often we think of people in leadership, especially those in national organizations, as super people. We don't think of them as having hobbies or likes and dislikes. We don't think of them as having bumps along the road of life, in school or at work, that get them where they are today. When someone new is elected to the ACB Board of Directors or Board of Publications, or when someone changes position on the board, we like to take that opportunity here on Soundprints to give you, the listener, the chance to meet that person. It seems that when we do these features, we always learn something new about each person. That is certainly true this week as we talk with Doug Powell. Doug has served on the ACB Board of Publications for several years, and he was just elected to a seat on the ACB Board of Directors. Doug has a very interesting background in sports, and he sure has held certain interesting jobs. Listen on page two as we meet the real Doug Powell. Brian Charlson is the Director of Technology at the Carroll Center for the Blind in Boston, and he's always trying out new products and exploring ways to adapt existing products for use by people who are blind or visually impaired. Brian and I plan to record a feature for Soundprints on adapting appliances for use by the blind, but as is usually the case, we ended up actually covering three main topics, accessible appliances, the new Seeing AI app for the iPhone, and a service called Ira. The entire interview was over 59 minutes long, obviously too long for a single Soundprints program, so we're dividing the interview into three segments. This week you'll hear about Ira on page three. This is a unique service that provides real-time help from real-life people to help you see your own environment through real Google Glasses. It's a fascinating service, and we know you'll enjoy hearing how Brian and Kim Charlson use it in their daily lives. And on page four is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. Doug Powell is in some ways the newest member of the ACB Board of Directors. He was um, elected to one of the unexpired director positions this last July 
when Dan Spoon moved up to become first vice president of ACB. But Doug isn't new to the ACB board because he has represented the Board of Publications on the ACB board in the past. Doug is on the phone with me today, and we're going to meet him. If you haven't uh, heard him on Sound Prince before, this is going to be your opportunity to find out more about Doug Powell and what he brings to the ACB board. So welcome, Doug. We're glad to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Doug, you're from Virginia, and you, as I said, have been on the Board of Publications for a couple of terms, and also you have served as the chair of the Rehab Task Force Committee in ACB and have had some, as as chair, you've uh, overseen some pretty good um pretty good presentations at ACB, workshops on rehabilitation for the blind and visually impaired. Tell us more about yourself, um, maybe the other side, you know, your background, and um, just just help us to meet you as a, as a person. I grew up north of Chicago, so I'm a Midwesterner also, uh, although we, uh, Carol and I have lived in the D.C. area, in Virginia mostly, um, for the past 40-odd uh, years. Um, but uh, I grew up in north of Chicago and uh, went to high school at, at Nutria High School and uh, had a I did swimming there. So I had a, a breaststroke, a hundred, a fifty meter breast, fifty yard breaststroke uh, record for several years um, at Nutria, which is uh, kind of an accomplishment. Yes. And uh, and then went off to college at Lafayette College in Eastern Pennsylvania, and it was a small school, all boys. And I had, uh, Nutria was very large and co-ed, so I, I uh, didn't like that change. So eventually um, I uh, went home for a year and then uh, finished up at Indiana University uh, and had season's tickets when Bobby Knight was there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> for all of you Kentucky folks. That's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a wild place when Bobby Knight was there. Yes, it was. Good basketball rivalry there, Doug. It was fun. <laughs> yes. It was a lot of fun. And it I was learned a fun. lot about basketball watching, you know, watching there. <laughs> so, and I graduated uh, in uh, late 74 with, um, with a degree in English and prepared to teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think teaching really is, is kind of is my calling. And uh, so, I, I, unfortunately, in 75, there weren't very many teaching jobs available when I came out of school. That's right. And uh, so I, um, I worked for Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus for oh two my years, laying out newspaper ads and sending really? them out across the country. Oh. Uh, I, I had a lot more vision than I do now. I have RP, so, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I had quite a bit of vision that, back then. Did you use large print in in school, or did you have enough vision not to? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, or I was had, it what I, you chose to do? Yeah, I didn't have a clue. I guess is the real answer to that question. Um, mm-hmm. It just so it happens that a friend of mine now uh, was at Cedarcrest, which is the sort of sister school to Lafayette. At the same time, mm-hmm. she's totally blind, and she had you know she had her uh, wall and sack tape recorder and you know all that kind of stuff, and had all sorts of equipment that you know that actually i think i i I might have been able to make it at lafayette if i had if i had known about some of those uh, adaptive technology uh tips Mm -hmm. but i somehow my parents and i didn't get hooked into the to the system and this is of course before ada 
Yes. Um, so. Um, and probably so, before uh, 504 as well. Yeah. Because 504 yeah. didn't pass till 1973. Yep, and I so, and I would have graduated in '72 if I right. if I you know if I stayed there. But, right. Um, yeah. So. Um, their accommodations to me when I was taking an English course uh, was to put me with another blind guy to see if we could both work together and put, you know, and, and write papers on this on this book. Mm. Oh dear! <laughs> so it didn't work out so well. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but My anyway, goodness. so I was a little bit behind the curve there, um, and uh, so uh, you know, dropped out uh, and uh, went to Indiana University and actually graduated Phi Beta Kappa. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I still used regular print, but um, the the workload was just enough less that you know mm-hmm. that I could accomplish it all. Well, that was that turned out to be a good change. Yeah, absolutely. I loved Indiana. It was a fun campus and a fun school, and and uh, Carol and I enjoyed it. We actually got married while we were there, so mm-hmm. we're coming up on our 44th anniversary this mm-hmm. year wow. in a couple months, mm-hmm. and uh, and we have two kids. Uh, our daughter is. Uh, 32, Kate is, and she lives in uh, Winchester, Virginia, and teaches yoga. And our son is uh, 26. His name is uh, Brandon, and he lives in Tempe, Arizona. He went to Arizona State and stayed, liked it and stayed out there. And uh, so he's actually working in his major, which was construction management. So he's, uh, he's doing all right out there. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. Good area to be, to be um, into construction, I'm sure. Yeah, except that he's working outside these weeks. Oh, dear. It's been really hot out there. <laughs> well, it's really hot here, too, it's Doug. It's really hot. Yeah, it's hot here, too. <laughs> it was 90 degrees last night at 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it was 80 degrees at 6.30 this morning when I went went out running. Right, right. And humid. So, okay, so you, you're out of school and you worked for Barnum & Bailey. Yep. That, that's really an interesting that 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 would probably be an interesting discussion in itself. <laughs> well, yes, it was kind of a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but uh, uh, a, a woman who had worked, her husband had worked for the circus. Uh, she was the editor of the National Education Association uh, newspaper that it went out to all the members. And um, she, when she retired from that position, she came over to the circus and was putting together a. Um, a PR um, kind of a, a packet for uh, for school age kids, mm-hmm. and uh, I met her. And being educators, we talked and and that kind of thing. And and she basically told me who to talk to about getting a job with the National Education Association. So I did that, and uh, um, I I was there for uh, the majority of my working life, the uh, eighteen and a half years. Mm. Uh, before I uh, retired on my disability, because again, the, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my vision was getting worse than the mm-hmm. adaptive technology was keeping up, and uh, mm-hmm. NEA was a very print-oriented organization and, and that kind of thing. So it just became unviable for me to work there any longer. So I took a disability retirement. And what did you do at NEA? I was uh, doing basically. My wife tells me, you know, I, I have this long explanation, and my wife says, "Well, I'm a junk mail. I was a junk mail writer for uh, <laughs> for publications. Okay. We uh, we had a, a small publishing company within uh-huh. the NEA that published uh-huh. in-service training materials for uh-huh. teachers, uh-huh. and we and we sold them, and so and I did the direct mail advertising for that. Oh, well, so. that's that's 
another interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm really excited about this new strategic planning, and uh, maybe I'm hoping that uh, one of the areas that I would like to see if I can make a contribution is the the marketing and communication area of the uh, strategic action plan that just, mm-hmm. uh, the board of directors has just been starting to work on. Well, with that kind of background, I would think that you could fit right in there. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, Katie and I seem to work pretty well together. We've done some projects together uh, for our um, for the state affiliate that I belong to, the mm-hmm. uh, ACB of Virginia, which used to be called the Old Dominion Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. Just changed the name this year. We just changed the name this year. We're working on a new website, and we thought it would be a good time to change the name and, and mm-hmm. uh, help, help people find us. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So, uh, uh, and then I was, uh, I retired for about 10 years. When I retired from uh, NEA, I decided to uh, devote more time to sports, which I've really enjoyed all my life, but uh, um you know, it's sort of put aside for, for my career. But sure. So I, I developed a program called Northern Virginia Blind Athletes because I, I got in touch with some of the O&M instructors in, in Fairfax County schools, and they said, well, you know, we take them out bowling once a year, but we really can't do any ongoing thing and, uh, you know, a couple other things. So um, I developed this uh, Northern Virginia Blind Athletes. To uh, There was a... a a, uh, you know, a bunch of kids at the at one resource center, and sort of brought them along and did uh, bowling with them, and did goalball with them, and did aikido, which is a form of martial arts that uh, Japanese for, uh, form of martial arts that I got involved with, and uh, it's I like it because it's defensive in nature, so you learn how to break holds and 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 take take control of the situation as opposed to learning a lot of hits and kicks that you're never going to be able to find the target for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was doing Paralympic swimming to see if I could make the Paralympics and uh, met this guy named Dan Kelly, who at that time uh, came and worked for the National Industries for the Blind. You know, when he was leaving, actually he went down and, and was working at, at one of the NIB agencies in Winston-Salem. Actually, he went to Greensboro first and then Winston-Salem. And uh, he um, he uh, told me about this program called Leaders at All Levels that uh, NIB was doing at the different agencies that employ blind people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was my opportunity to teach. So I, I actually have been doing that on a contract basis for the last 10 years. Uh, there aren't too many agencies that are uh, – asking us to come out anymore, but uh, it actually helped us uh, get the kids through college, and uh, I've re- I really enjoyed be, you know, going out and, and, and teaching at the adult level. So what so kinds of things did you, did you teach in that program? Was it uh, a program that worked with the kids as they were getting into college or to assist them in kind of um, like in a, a remedial kinds of things? Or, no, uh, this was actually adults. Um, this was, I, I would go, it, this program was designed, so uh, NIB gives, you know, give, uh, works with, any, with, with agencies that employ blind people. Okay, yes. And, um, uh, you know, so, you know, we, we try to, you know, find a, find a place for, for blind people to, to work um, if they can't, you know, find jobs in the, in the uh, mainstream workforce. Correct. 
however, a lot of these people came up through the man, you know, through the perhaps the blind school or the, you know whatever, you know, however they got there, but through the manufacturing area, mm-hmm. um, and didn't really have soft skills training, so uh, communication skills, and leadership skills, and teamwork skills. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what this program was designed to do. Was actually, I would go into the agency and actually train everybody, even the managers and the and the executive staff, uh, you know, so that everybody was working on the same kinds of communication skills and 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 that kind of thing. So so hopefully they were working with each other and helping each other practice and that kind of. That was the, the design of the program. Mm-hmm. So uh, people would get better, you know, within the agency. Hopefully, the agency would improve their communications and become more effective, and uh, and the people who work there would have the opportunity, would have the soft soft skills training to be able to move out into the regular workforce if that's what they wanted to do. Oh, I can see where that would give you an opportunity to do quite a few different kinds of training components within the program. Yes, yeah, yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it did hit on different aspects, such as you know, getting and giving information, and you know, how do you give feedback effectively? And mm-hmm. uh, one of the ones that actually uh, my boss and I put together a module on um, um, the, the uh, well, sort of non-defensive communication, but also the the um, how to work with um, you know when, when you when our when, we, when our emotions get triggered. You know, yes. there's some things that when our button gets pressed, yes. you know, that you just go, there's a, there's a thing called the ladder of inference, and, and, <laughs> it, and it talks about different levels uh, uh, that, you know, that, uh, that, that the brain does when it's creating habits. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have these habits, and all of a sudden somebody presses your button, bingo, you're right up, you know, you, you're immediately angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not real good for the workforce. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So uh, we developed a, a, you know, where people could practice and, and understand how the brain works so that, you know, when we, when we immediately get angry, you know, the emotions get, come up quickly, mm-hmm. um, we can try to talk ourselves down before we get ourselves in trouble. Gosh, Doug, you ought to do some workshops at conventions. <laughs> really? I mean, well, that, would, that would probably be a good idea. I mean, I could see where that could be, you know, translated into a lot of things that... Yep. That are done yeah. both, you know, it, organizationally and and people wanting to get out and do leadership kinds of things. I mean, there's so many applications to those kinds of of um, of programs. That, that also brings up another area that that I've been working on in ACB, which mm-hmm. uh, when the leadership training task force got put together. Yes. Um, when I heard about that, I you know, with my background, I just you know, it was natural, and I just jumped on it and asked. Uh, I think it was Mitch at the time mm-hmm. um, uh, to to be put on that uh, task force, and have been work, have been active on it mm-hmm. uh, that ever since. You also have been interested in you've remained interested in sports, yes. and you you have continued to participate in sports. Um, I think you've been the speaker, if if I remember correctly, you've been speaker and participated in various ways in the Sports Fanatics Luncheon at ACBs uh, in the past. And so tell us about the the sports side. Great, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I, I've had a, a, an athletic body, you know, since, you know, I was born with it, and, uh, and uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, uh, doing sports. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
swimming was what we decided was would be a good idea, you know, since this retinitis pigmentosa thing was coming along, and I never really made the transition from softball to hardball in baseball. So, <laughs> um, so I decided to do swimming, and then um, I, I don't know. I was sitting at home doing nothing in January, and uh, um, I, I I turned on the AC. ABC Wide World of Sports, and it just so happened that I uh, they were showing the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. And uh, by the end of the show, I was crying because they showed, you know, different people, including uh, a young boy who was uh, a, di- a type 1 diabetic, and he had controlled his, you know, he had insulin and that kind of thing, and he actually worked with his doctor so that he could do uh, the Ironman triathlon and, you know, and not mess up and mess himself up and mm-hmm. all the training that went into it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I thought to myself, I swim, I bike, I run. Um, this was a challenge worth taking. So, um, so I started doing triathlons and I've been doing them on, mostly on, on and off for the last, uh, uh, since 1985, so, you know, 30-odd years. And these are not triathlons that just include blind or visually impaired people. That's correct. These are That's just correct. triathlons. These are, yeah, yep, they're, All yep. sizes and, and types and kinds of people, right? Exactly, yeah. Now they have a division called uh, the PC Open Division, uh, you know, physically challenged. PC is physically mm-hmm. challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, open, and, and so they, they have, uh, some people are in wheelchairs and, and that kind of thing, um, but and that's where we we fall. I mean, we have different criteria. They also have uh, triathlon now in the Paralympics, but uh, I decided not to try out for that. Uh, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> I'm 67 years old now. <laughs> I'm getting too old. They don't do age groups in the in the Paralympics. Oh. You're uh, you're competing against 18 year olds. Oh so, dear. Uh, yeah, uh, so. yeah, I can see why you decide not to do that. <laughs> But uh, but I still enjoy triathlons, and I did one Ironman uh, length triathlon up in Madison, Wisconsin. But mm-hmm. uh, mostly I, I stick to the half iron distance, which is mm-hmm. 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, mm-hmm. and a 13.1 half marathon run, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which wow. is busy enough. <laughs> yes. Now, when you decided to run for this position you um i wasn't in reno but i'll bet that you probably visited some caucuses um you know in acb when we anticipated having an open director position up until just recently anyone planning to run for that position didn't do caucuses and things too much because the position really wasn't open until some until that person moved up into whatever they were going to be running for as an officer but a couple years ago jeff bishop changed all that for us (laughs) yes he did (laughs) And I, I took the brunt of that because I thought oh. you were supposed to wait. <laughs> I know. I mean, really. And he starts showing up at caucuses, and I'm thinking, you know, someday, you know, we think this is pretty cool, and well, isn't this initiative right now, but someday it's going to affect a lot of people, and um, th- this is setting a higher bar yeah. for these candidates that, you know, I'm kind of one of those Somebody said this year, are you going to run for one of those open board seats? And I said, no. And they said, why? And, you know, part of the thing was, Doug, I just wasn't going to go do those caucus things for a seat that might not even be open. There's only so much a body can do. 
<laughs> and as it turned out, I kind of anyway. But well, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I got, I and enough is uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, right. I kind of breathed a sigh of relief when I heard that you were not planning on running because I thought <laughs> I was going to have to run against you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it is. Um, it, it, it is an interesting dynamic, and uh, and, and yes. as you you know, as as your listeners may have inferred, this is actually the third time I ran for the board of directors, and uh, and b- between that and running for my seat on the board of publications, I've been running for five years uh, in a row. It seems like so. Oh. I'm very happy that I've got an unexpired term of three years. <laughs> you don't have to do this again till 2020. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the advantage of being a director. Yes. In ACB is yes. when you have a full position, you don't have to do that again for four years, yep. unless you choose, unless you know something opens up and you choose to want to move on up into right. an officer seat. But otherwise, you're just kind of there for four years, and you can sit back and smile well, while other people are running around. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually going to a convention and just doing the convention. <laughs> yes, I can't wait but, for next year. That that will certainly be part of the good part of that convention so i just yep. won't have to do the i call it the caucus crawl you yeah. know <laughs> because well and actually the, the interesting thing is uh for the last couple of years now they've they've uh some of the affiliates have been doing a telephone con- yes. uh, ca- caucus and that makes it easier it really makes it easier oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes it makes the the run up to the you know the two weeks before the convention a little crazy sometimes right. but uh but it still it helps uh, not having to run around these big hotels and Correct. figure out where the rooms are. Correct. Well, as a new director on the board, um, and one that's not just there as representing the BOP and therefore an ex officio member, but an actual voting member of the board, right. um, you know, what what are some of the things that you would like to see happen in ACB in the next three years? Well, I, I think things have been going really well. I think Kim has done a wonderful, Kim and, and actually Eric, uh, I think uh, together oh. have done a wonderful job of Tremendous. positioning ACB and increasing the reputation of ACB, uh, not only in the legislative arena, but also in the corporate arena. Yes. And, uh, and I think that that's, uh, you know, that's only going to continue, and I'm, I'm very pleased to, you know, to be able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Uh, there are there are a couple of things that I think um, we need to be working on in terms of uh, in terms of getting and retaining new members. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've tried some things in the past in terms of uh, working with the optometrists and ophthalmologists and low vision uh, doctors and that kind of thing, but I really think that we it's time to try another push in that direction mm-hmm. so that we can. Uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, precursors to this strategic this this round of strategic planning was a, an evaluation uh, from an outside organization, and they were saying that only two percent of blind people are members of either organization. Yes. So mm-hmm. I, we're there are a lot of people out there who don't know about us and mm-hmm. are, I think, probably the worse off for, having, for, for, for being in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we can provide a lot of support, um, and I think we can, you know, support for, you know, emotional support as well as coaching kind of support for, you know, dealing with the, the uh, rehabilitation agencies and all those kinds of things that, 
you know, that, that I waited too long before I got involved with ACB. You know, I was already out of work before I, I, I actually found ACB. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, I think there are a lot of people in that position, and I really think that we could do a, a lot more uh, uh, networking with uh, other organizations to try to uh, capture people who, uh, you know, the doctor says, well, that's all I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but that's not all they can do for them. They can right. push them in our direction, and, and so right. I'd, that's one of the areas of focus that I'd like to see us work on. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, uh, that I'm I'm really pleased that uh, marketing and communication is part of the strategic action plan because I think that we do a lot of great stuff, and unfortunately, we haven't really gotten the word out to the general public about it enough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would like to be part of that kind of solution. <laughs> Make sure that both the national and at, and at the state level, uh, you know, empowering state affiliates to be better at tooting their own horns as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another area that I that I feel like we could really improve, and that would help help us a lot. But you know, in in, in a lot of different ways. Right. Well, I think that. Um I think that you've hit on two key areas, and um, when you're successful in one, uh, either one of those areas will help the other area along. So um, those are two major components in the strategic plan. There are others as well that will impact uh, those areas. And um, I I, I really look forward to the next years uh, in ACB because um, I agree with you. I think that Kim and Eric have done a tremendous job of helping to move ACB along in many, many different um, different areas that we in the past have sort of, in some cases, almost ignored uh, because we felt like, oh, well, um, I don't know. We we don't want to be too corporate, you know. Right. And uh, but there's there's been a, a huge amount of information. How'd you like all of those tech presentations at the convention? Wasn't it like a who's who? It's yeah. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing how many people are coming to show their stuff. Oh yes. And, uh, I I thought listen. I listened to most of the convention on ACB radio. Probably heard more of it than I would have heard if I was there, working <laughs> at the mini mall. At the mini mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but it was just an amazing array of presentations from you know many major players, not only within the blindness community, but just within the corporate community as well. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Well, Doug, we, we don't we don't have uh, Microsoft to kick around anymore, right? No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want to 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 welcome you to the ACB board. I'm really um, pleased that you'll have the opportunity. I'm sure to work on your areas of interest, and um, I know that the next three years will be good a good three years. So. Welcome, and I'm sure we'll be visiting again on Sound Prince as time goes on and you're involved in some of the major projects. I hope so, Carla. That's one of the things that I'm a little bit sad about is that you're not going to be on the board to, to, you know, for, for us to uh, work together. <laughs> I'll be very happy to, to keep in communication and, uh, All right. and to tell you about the exciting stuff we're, we're working on. Good. Thank you much. Thank you. Page 3.
chatting with Brian Charlson, we've been having a very interesting discussion about some of the new technology that's coming out, especially in the area of iPhone apps and related things. We actually started out to talk about another subject for Soundprints, but it's uh, morphed into something very different. So. Brian, uh, we're so glad you're with us. Brian is in, for those of you that don't remember, he's in Watertown, Massachusetts. And we're really pleased to have you with us. And we've been trying out a couple of new things. Basically, we've been talking about IRA. Why don't you begin wherever you would like to begin, and let's tell people what these new wonderful things are that can help people who are blind or with low vision. Sure, no problem. And again, thanks you for having me on here today. I wanted to... You know, I'm constantly looking for pieces of technology that will make what I already do easier yes. or more reliable or faster mm-hmm. because I've got so many things going on in my life. I, the one thing you can't bank is time, right? Right. So, so I look at these things all the time, partly for work because I'm the director of technology at the Carroll Center for the Blind mm-hmm. outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. And we try to teach people how to use things in all aspects of their life. Ira. Ira, yes. That's AI, again, good, excuse me, AI, right? The good old artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. A-I-R-A. Okay. Uh, the guy that named this company um, liked, you know, the sun god, Ra. So mm-hmm. it's AI sun god kind of thing. Oh, dear. So this okay. is actually more a service than it is a product. Okay. When you sign up for it, and it's a monthly fee just like your cell phone, kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and you get X number of minutes depending on how much fee you pay, Mm -hmm. they will send you a pair of Google Glass. Now, Google Glass is like a a pair of glasses with no lenses and only the upper half of the frame. You know, some glasses you can get where the, the lens hangs from the glass, glasses, rather than having a frame all the way around the lens, and that's what these are like. But one side of it, the right-hand side of it, has in the front right corner a camera. And just over that area, there's a little thing. Oh, do you remember um, dentine chewing gum? Yeah. That size? Mm -hmm. About that size little block. And that's actually a screen. Okay. Um, Now, I'm not using the screen, as you can well imagine. But a person can see in their peripheral vision what's on that screen if they're using this Google Glass for some things. But we're using this along with our iPhone and a little thing called a MiFi. A MiFi is something about the, I keep dating myself with my size description. (laughs) It's about the size of a pack of cigarettes. (laughs) Um, And it's battery operated. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it links the Google Glass over the Internet Mm -hmm. to the Iris service people. Okay. So it's not using your data. It's a separate scenario entirely. Okay. But this glass, that MiFi, and your iPhone work together to contact an IRA agent. This is, uh, I think they're now at 30 people who've been trained to help you when you need them to help you using either the camera on the Google Glass, something you might do if you're walking down the street and your hands are busy, mm-hmm. or the camera from your phone something you might do, you know, in your living room if you wanted to look at something. Mm -hmm. But instead of using artificial intelligence to communicate with you, it's a trained agent. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a couple of examples of what I've used it for. I was uh, 
unfortunately, uh, a passenger on a plane down to Washington, D.C., and they lost my luggage. So I go into the lost luggage department, describe my luggage. They fell out a form. They hand me a copy of the form and said it will be to my uh, hotel or, or my friend's house by midnight. Well, by midnight, it hadn't arrived. But now all I've got is this print piece of paper, and I have no idea what to do about this. So I call up the IRA agent. I make sure the lights in the living room are on because he's dependent on seeing. He reads it aloud to me. Uh-huh. Uh, but really, I didn't want him to read all of it. I just wanted the phone number. Mm-hmm. And when you're using OCR, you can't tell OCR what to read and what not to read. Okay. It reads it all. But with an agent, I can say, who am I supposed to call when my bags don't arrive? Mm-hmm. And he looked at it, and he said, okay, the number they give you is 1-800-dot-dot-dot-dot, whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. And I said, great. So he says, and... Ira is available on the East Coast from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. So there's only a six-hour period of time in them when you should be sleeping anyway, (laughs) that they're not there. So I was worried that there might be some other information I would need on this. So he, through the Google Glass or the phone, took a picture of that page. When I hung up from him, he transcribed that page and sent it to me as an email. Uh Oh, so it's much more than just looking through the camera. Hmm. Uh, the other night, I was with friends. We went to a Red Sox game, and uh, we decided to ditch the game about halfway through because it was getting mighty cold, and there was rumors that it was going to start to rain. Hmm. So my family and I pack up, and we go out, and we order an Uber to pick us up. Mm-hmm. And you can link your Uber account with your IRA account. Okay. So instead of going through that whole Uber process of ordering an Uber, I simply brought up the IRA app, said, please order me an Uber to take me to such and such an address. It's in my, you know, frequently go-to list in the Uber app. And that person ordered me an Uber while I was walking out of the park. Okay, so and, Brian, hang yeah, on. Let, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because there's the service Go Go Grandparent that orders the Uber for you, but they charge yes. they charge an extra service, an extra fee. Uh, if a person had had Ira, they would be paying their fee for for that, but for additional services as well. But what you're telling me is the person who is using it, they basically would make a telephone call on their iPhone if they couldn't deal with the Uber app. If they had a problem entering information in the Uber app. Just click Ira, Mm -hmm. and Ira's agent has access to your account Mm -hmm. when you're calling in. Yeah. And can do all of the work for you. So it would seem that would be easier for a person that had an issue with entering information um, into the Uber app. And it's more than that, because while Uber is accessible to us, Mm -hmm. there's one aspect that is not accessible to us. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the little map that shows the dot where you are okay. and the dot where Uber is. Right. Um, we get to tell, you know, it's one minute away, it's five minutes away, uh-huh. that kind of thing. But yeah. we have no clue where it is from where we are. Okay. And maybe you're standing on the wrong side of the street uh-huh. from where it's coming. Okay. Well, that IRA agent, as I'm standing in the street or at the street corner, with the rain pelting down, uh, okay, um, was able to say, 
Okay, the driver is going to be coming from your left-hand side. Mm -hmm. oh. So he's going to be uh, on the right-hand side of the street, right? Mm -hmm. If he's coming from my left and going across in front yes, of me. Yes, yes. So I knew I was on the correct side of the street. Mm -hmm. And as it approached, because, you know, there's rain coming down and there's all this. It says in the in the Uber app the color of the car now. Yes. So yeah. um, that's great for a sighted person, but... I'm standing there trying to flag down a car in a rainstorm near Fenway Park with people <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. And the Uber agent helped me flag down just the right vehicle. Mm -hmm. Says, "Okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You want to, you know, start waving your hands right now." That's a service that AI can't do for me. Right. Right. And that's sometimes the, the Uber app where the driver's looking for you, and you can call the driver. Oh, and, yeah. and, and you I can... do. Again, Ira is not where I turn first. Mm -hmm. Ira is where I turn last. So how, how much is it a month? What, so what would be a reasonable? 100 okay. minutes a month, mm -hmm. it's $89 a month. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. you can get more minutes, mm -hmm. and as of this coming Thursday, you can do shared minutes between you and another member of your household mm -hmm. so that, um, you know, Kim and I anticipate that we will share this feature. Mm -hmm. I probably will hold on to the glass, mm -hmm. and she'll use just her phone and its mm -hmm. camera for doing things mm -hmm. because I'm more likely to be out on the street walking someplace, okay. and she's more likely to be in her office. So it's shared for the 89 then, or do you yep, pay an exactly. extra fee? Exactly. Ah. It's shared for the 89. Oh. And again, I do not get on here and stay on for an hour. Right. I'm doing, you know, one to five minute interaction. Right. So you're making that really stretch over the month's yep. time. And and you can do rollover. Oh, now that's good. So I had a very quiet month, so now I've got a lot more minutes for next month, and mm -hmm. I'm planning. And mm -hmm. this is something I'm... <laughs> this, those who've heard me on your show before know that I taught myself to play the ukulele yes. using <laughs> YouTube videos. Yes. Well, that's all fine and good, but I have a couple of ukulele books that I'd love to learn the songs out of. Okay. But I don't have any member of my household who reads music. Okay. And reads specifically what's called tablature, okay. which is how you indicate chord changes and, and those kinds of things mm -hmm. on a stringed instrument. Okay. But it turns out that one of the agents, a guy named Patrick, teaches guitar. Oh. And so he, and this is what these agents do, you know, you work up a relationship with them. Yeah. He is, I've already emailed him the PDF file of my local ukulele group's songbook. Okay. And we're going to arrange to have a sit down. I'll set my phone up facing me. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll have the songbook at his end mm -hmm. yeah, electronically. Mm -hmm. And we're going to learn a few songs from my songbook. Oh, well, that, that is, that's, that is really, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty darn neat application. How different is that? And, and I've heard a number of other people use it in interesting ways. Uh, that uh, there was a lady who um, was going to her doctor's. Um, she's, uh, I don't know, quite a few months into pregnancy, mm -hmm. and they were going to do one of those sonograms. Mm -hmm. And, of course, as a blind person, she can't see her sonogram. Mm -hmm. 
So she called, got a female agent who described her sonogram to her. Oh. Remember I said these are not just people. Right. These are trained people. Right. So when they give directions, they're not getting their left and their right mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Not getting, you know, telling not you the other left, right? Estimating or way underestimating distance. Yeah. We're yeah. uh, telling you it's over there. Yeah. And they're not t- also, you know, you put in this part of your profile, do I like a lot of description mm-hmm. or just a little description? Mm-hmm. And so she got to have this woman who also had seen her own sonogram back when she had a child mm-hmm. to describe this sonogram to her. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a spectacularly personal value mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to that person. Mm-hmm. I also know a guy who, uh, who uh, ordered, I think it was a kitchen cart, assembly required. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, we know about those. Put one of the, tried to put that together, and it ended up being, shall we say, a heated discussion. <laughs> And so yeah, all the pieces were still in the living room when the wife just huffed and went to bed. And he called Ira, and with Ira, he put it together in 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, so. you can, I can identify with that one all right. So. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. It yes. So these are just a few examples of those little pieces of sometimes, you know, super tech mm-hmm. and sometimes just common sense simple tech yes. that, that get me through the day mm-hmm. here at the house. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was telling you earlier that while I use a uh, scanner to tell what's in that can when it comes from the grocery, and I might order my groceries online, you know, from Peapod or Roach Brothers or Safeway. Mm-hmm. These are three of the mm-hmm. stores that I'm aware have such a service. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you, you have Instacart in Boston? Do you know? Again? Do you have a service called Instacart in Boston? Instacart is another example, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can use these services to order groceries and have them delivered. Mm-hmm. But uh, there but they are. Here. Cans and bottles <laughs> and boxes. Right. Um, <laughs> so I pull out a scanner, and I scan for the barcode. I find out what it is. I roll, uh, I buy these from uh, a company that does peel and stick labels in a mm-hmm. roll. Mm-hmm. They come a thousand labels to a peel and stick and it's big mm-hmm. enough to hold three lines of braille. Okay. And we identify it, braille it, slap that label on it, put it in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. That way when we go back to the cupboard for something, we don't have this gizmo we're having to scan item by item by item for. Mm-hmm. We can use our other skills, in this case braille, reading mm-hmm. skills to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to think, though, that I might not do that anymore for things in the freezer. Because tonight I had to get uh, bone-in chicken thighs out of the freezer. Okay. And by the time I read enough Braille labels to find what I was looking for, Your fingers I was suffering yours. from frostbite, let me tell you. <laughs> Before we disappear, uh, tell me where you get your, your labels from, your roll of 1,000 labels. Them do you from uh, Labels Unlimited. Okay. And where are labels they? Labels Unlimited. Online. Oh, online, okay. Do it online, yep. Labelsunlimited.com? Yep. Okay, all right. Because, exactly. you know, we're always looking for sources of, of labels and exactly. different kinds exactly. of labeling materials. You know, so, so much people could do it. Um, if in your town you have an arts and crafts store. Oh, we have tons of them, yes. You can buy amazing things in there that you can't imagine that are non <laughs> not intended for adaptive use, mm-hmm. but can do some pretty amazing things for crafters, 
-hmm. you can get peel and stick numbers, mm -hmm. uh, print numbers mm -hmm. uh, of a variety of different sizes there. Mm -hmm. You can get, uh, oh, I think in the old days of uh, pipe cleaners, but mm -hmm. they now have what they call uh, sticky sticks. Wiki which, sticks. Wiki sticks. Yeah, wiki right? sticks. That uh -huh. you can do things with. And those weren't invented for the blind. No, no. You know, that's kind of a toy that we've adapted into well, teachers a tool use, that can do yeah, them. Yeah, a lot of VI teachers use wiki sticks to um, put into the shape of letters to teach um, blind kids to introduce them to script letters print or letters. print letters when they're teaching them to write. Geometric shapes. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a number of, of different things. So right. a lot of our adaptive stuff mm -hmm. is stuff that you can find in one of these craft stores. Right. And the other, pla my other famous place for finding things, the hardware store. <laughs> so when we've been talking about uh, sticky dots, mm -hmm. well, those sticky dots aren't for the blind. Mm -hmm. Those are what keep your kitchen cabinet from slamming shut. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Or those are the little peel and stick rubber feet that you can put on the bottom of things okay. if need be. That's something one finds in a hardware store. Okay. So don't think you always have to go to the fancy blindness store. And pay more. And pay more for them. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Look at those places as well. Right. Well, Brian, this has been fascinating. And um, appreciate so much you taking the time to, to talk to us about it. You always are so just full of suggestions and ideas and and, and you make them fun. I look at it as an adventure. Yes, you know? yes. So, and the more I, I learn to do these things, the more varied those things are in my life. So I've just been called upstairs. Uh, these <laughs> young people that were helping me with my groceries today, a friend stopped by to have his kids come swim in my pool. Mm -hmm. uh, they called me up. It's time to put the hot dogs on the grill and uh -oh. get going. All righty. Take care now, Carla. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Page four. The Sound Prince Calendar. July 27 is the next Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. A great opportunity for people who are just losing their vision to learn about resources and Ways to Cope with Vision Loss. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On July 28, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind will hold a roundabout. Education and Technology beginning at 3.30. Discussion time at 5. Page Turners, a chance to share books at 5.30. Dinner and a Tri-State Library Users Meeting at 6. $5 per person for dinner. And Talent Time. Games and Crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On July 29 is Bards and Storytellers at the American Printing House for the Blind, 1 to 3 p.m. Meet Mac and Bob, the first really successful country duo, now almost totally forgotten. Mac and Bob met at the Kentucky School for the Blind in 1915 and then embarked on a 35-year career as recording artists and radio stars on WLS's Barn Dance. 
Louisville musicians Kathy and Tom Arnold will perform Mac and Bob songs at the American Printing House. Call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213 to sign up for this free activity. On August 1, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On August 3, the American Council of Blind Lions will hold its monthly conference call meeting for lions who are blind and visually impaired from around the country. It's a great chance to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs. At 9 p.m. Eastern, call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. August 4 and 5 is the Kentucky School for the Blind 72nd Alumni Conference and Reunion at the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Pre-registration forms and information have been mailed. For further information, room rates, or to receive a packet, call 502-897-1472. On August 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its committee meetings. Advocacy at 7 p.m., Education, Activities, and Technology, the EAT Committee, at 8 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On August 8, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On August 9, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. August 10 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group Meeting in Louisville, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 502-895-4598 for more information. Also on August 10, the Northern Kentucky Council will have its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m. The number is 605-475-4700, enter code 155619. August 11 is a GLCB roundabout, education and technology at 3.30, discussion at 5, dinner $5 per person at 6 p.m., bingo, games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 895-4598 to sign up. August 12 is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind August Board Meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. August 12 is the Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind Picnic at the Perry County Park in Hazard, Kentucky. For information and reservations, contact Frank Campbell at 606-693-9360. August 13 is the KCB Next Generation Chapter Meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. 
August 18 is the GLCB Roundabout with Education and Technology at 3.30, Discussion 5 to 6, Dinner $5 per person at 6 p.m., and Games and Crafts until 10. Sign up at 502-895-4598. August 20 is a KSB Alumni Board Meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call, and August 21 is a Kentucky Council of the Blind Board Meeting at 7.30 p.m. by conference call, both on the line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On August 23, Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its monthly peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington at 1093 South Broadway. Call them at 859-259-1834 for more information. August 24 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group. It meets from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. And August 25 is another GLCB roundabout with education at 3.30 p.m., discussion at 5, page turners at 5.30, dinner at 6, $5 per person, games and crafts from 7 to 10, at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 502-895-4598. And on August 26 is another Bards and Storytellers at the American Printing House for the Blind, 1 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. For more information, contact the museum at 502-899-2213. On August 28, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have its membership call at 7 p.m. by conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.